Hello everyone and welcome to the Rupa Subramania show. I'm Rupa Subramania. Today we're taking a closer look at uh, Canada's alarming economic situation. Despite a partial bounce back since the pandemic, the standard of living in Canada seems to be stuck in the mud. The data show that GDP per capita, that is what an average Canadian makes in a year, is no higher than it was back in 2018 after taking a big hit during the pandemic because of lockdowns and supply chain disruptions. A recent Statistics Canada report exposes this unsettling reality and it's an issue that should concern us all. Now let's take a look at the data. Canada's economy contracted by 0.2% in the second quarter following a decline from 3.1% to 2.6% in the first quarter. This is at a time when the US economy is growing by leaps and bounds. One major culprit in all of this is the struggling housing market with investment down by 2.1% and new construction plummeting by 8.2%. Even renovation spending took a 4.3% hit. Now, turning to the Bank of Canada, interest rates raised by the Bank of Canada to combat inflation have led to higher borrowing costs, predictably so, and a drop in household spending, with real household spending growth slipping from 1.2% to a mere 0.1%. Canadian households are now the most indebted in the advanced world, storing up trouble for the future. Sluggish exports, which increased by just 0.1% in the second quarter compared to 2.5% in the first quarter, further compound the issue. Though there's a slight glimmer of hope in business investment, especially in non-residential structures, it's overshadowed by declines in various other sectors, including the services and goods producing industries. And if that's not enough, this economic report coincides with the Bank of Canada's pivotal decision on interest rates. They've opted to leave rates unchanged for now, but remain vigilant due to concerns about rising inflation, especially driven by increasing fuel costs, partly as a result of the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Now, inflation is already surging, with Canada's annual rate hitting 3.3% in July, up from 2.8% in June. All of this takes place against the backdrop of a slowing Canadian economy as consumers cut back on credit spending and the housing market continues to cool. And what's the impact on everyday Canadians? The Bank of Canada's policy rate directly affects borrowing costs for Canadian lenders, impacting everything from mortgages to loans to the interest we pay on credit card debt. This marks the third pause on interest rates this year after consecutive uh, rate hikes in June and July. The Bank of Canada predicts inflation will eventually settle at 2% by 2025. Some experts, like the Bank of uh, Montreal's chief economist, Doug Porter, believe that the bank may be done with rate hikes, anticipating that inflation will rise to about 4% by the end of the year, but ultimately settle at the 2% target but others believe more rate hikes may be in the works if inflation remains stubbornly high. For Canadian homeowners, the rate pause uh, means no steeper mortgage rates for now, which comes as a great source of relief, but renewals will bring higher borrowing costs and larger monthly payments. 
Some Canadians, unfortunately, may, not, may no longer be able to afford the homes that they're currently living in when they have to renegotiate their mortgages at much higher rates. As Canada grapples with these economic challenges, I wanted to speak to someone with the expertise to comment on what's going on now and where we're heading. I'm delighted to have Jake Fuss with me as a guest today. He is Director of Fiscal Studies at the Vancouver-based think tank, the Fraser Institute. He holds degrees in commerce and public policy from the University of Calgary and has written op-eds in major Canadian newspapers such as the Globe and Mail and the National Post. Jake, thank you for joining us today. Uh, to start, based on the recent data that uh, showed our economy uh, has actually contracted, at a time when the U.S. keeps surging ahead, uh, could you uh, give us your perspective on the economic uh, contraction that's currently underway and what you see uh, are the primary drivers of this downturn? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I mean, ultimately, what we've seen over the last few years in Canada in particular is really a stagnant economy. Um, so one of the things that we've been tracking is looking at GDP per capita, for instance, which is kind of a broad measure of living standards for Canadians. It's kind of a rough measure of income per person. Um, and what we've seen is that GDP per, per capita, although it's recovered somewhat from COVID, it actually hasn't recovered all the way to what it was before the pandemic. Um, so that's one of the main concerns right now for Canada is that we're starting to fall behind the United States and other OECD countries, which are advanced economies. Um, and then at the same time, um, you know, we're also falling behind in things like business investment per worker. Um, the United States is really trending up uh, in terms of business investment, whereas Canada has kind of gone in the opposite direction. Uh, over the last seven or eight years in particular, we've actually seen a decline in business investment. Uh, and this is really important for job creation, innovation, um, growing incomes for Canadians as well. Um, so right now we've kind of seen this you know, gap between Canada and the United States on several different factors um, we're starting to fall behind a lot of these advanced countries. Yeah, uh, we'll get to the business investment. Uh, I think there was there was a Fraser Institute study or major report that came out recently um, um, uh, talking about precisely that. We'll get to that in a bit. But I want to ask you about the housing uh, market. Just just about every analyst out there um, has, has pointed to the housing market as being a major source of concern uh, with declining investment in construction. Uh, what 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 do you what are your insights into the challenges facing Facing the housing sector, um, and and what do you think needs to happen? What policies or actions do you believe should uh, could help stabilize it? Yeah, I mean it's it's a great question because ultimately this is a very complex issue and it's one that affects a, a lot of Canadians, particularly in Vancouver and Toronto, which is where the majority of the, the housing concerns really are right now. Um, you know, I think there's a, a few issues, particularly on the housing side. Um, and the hard part is that there's three levels of government really involved in here. We have the municipal governments um, that are in charge of zoning laws and permit times and things like that. Um, and the provinces also have a role to play um, in, in terms of that as well. Um, and then you have the federal government um, who has less of a role in housing, but they're also trying to take on um, more initiative and in other things like building more affordable housing too. Um, so there's a lot of challenges. Um, one of the main ones right now, though, is that we have our population growing much faster than we're able to keep up with in terms of construction. Um, so if we actually look at, at some of the data, what we're seeing is that we're actually building roughly the same number or even less homes than we used to in the 1980s or 1970s. Um, and that's with uh, higher population growth nowadays, too. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really facing a lot of challenges there right now. Uh, supply is not keeping up with demand, uh, which is one of the main factors. 
So ultimately the solution is actually to build more housing um, of all different types, not just single detached homes, but you also want more row homes, you want more apartment buildings, condos, all of these different types of homes, fourplexes, duplexes. Um, but one of the big impediments right now is actually government itself. Um, so one of the things that you need to do is kind of get government out of the way, um, particularly at the municipal and provincial level. Um, there's a lot of restrictions on zoning in particular. Um, so for a long time, uh, a large majority of Toronto, for instance, was only zoned for single detached homes. Um, that needs to change over time because uh, you need to get densify uh, what, what is being built for homes over time. Um, so really, it is about getting government out of the way, in increasing you know, permit times, are, so we get these homes built faster and there's not delays in the process because um, right now we're really falling behind and all these reports show, you know, we need millions of new homes over the next 10 years. Um, and ultimately, um, you know, the gap is kind of growing between how fast the population is growing versus how fast construction is actually growing. Uh, so there's lots of concerns and there's lots of ways that governments can actually address that. Uh, but sometimes it's just getting out of the way um, so that the, the private sector can actually take take effect uh, in the, in the yeah. housing no, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And, um, uh, and uh, you know, but some analysts believe there's a, uh, there's, a, there's a housing bubble in Canada that's been fueled by the, um, uh, by all of the liquidity that was pumped into the economy during the period of low interest rates and uh, quantitative easing. Um, should that be a worry? Could we have um, something as dramatic as the 2008 uh, global financial crisis sparked by the collapse of the U.S. subprime housing market here in Canada? I mean, it's a good question. It's uh, difficult to say because there's just so many factors that go on and, you know, whether mm. something is a housing bubble or not. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately the the concern and, and what can, Canadian government should actually focus on is about actually just increasing that supply. Um, you know, whether or not there's a housing bubble is kind of, you know, beyond what, what we can understand right now. Um, but I think ultimately it's about, you know, Canadian governments, obviously they're starting to understand that this is a big challenge, um, especially with, you know, the increase in prices during covid um, and then now we're even seeing other, you know, markets like Calgary and, and some of the other markets, too, that are seeing uh, population growth um, faster than they have in, in the past. And now they're starting to see housing prices increase quite rapidly as well. Um, so mm -hmm. I think ultimately for Canadian governments, it's just going to be about addressing the supply issue. Um, and like I said, getting out of the way so that you can actually get these constructions going, because uh, the, the longer and longer we wait to actually address this issue, it's only going to get worse over time. Um, and with interest rates so high right now, too, that also means people are going to the rental markets uh, where you have low vacancy rates there, too. Um, and so ultimately, you know, now you have concerns on rental side and housing side. So uh, moving forward, the, the way to address this is simply to increase the supply of housing, because uh, that that issue is not going away anytime soon. Mm. Uh, let's talk about inflation. Um, inflation, as reported by uh, Stats Canada, has been on the rise, uh, I believe hitting 3.3% in July. Um, this is well above the Bank of Canada's target. Um, how do you think this is affecting the average uh, Canadian's purchasing power and overall economic well-being? Um, and, you know, what should families and individuals be mindful of in this inflationary environment? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, ultimately, you know, uh, the Bank of Canada recently held uh, the interest rate at, at 5% um, because of, you know, what we're seeing with inflation kind of remaining rampant uh, throughout Canada right now. Um, you know, it, obviously, we've seen, you know, the effect on food prices for, for Canadians over the last number of years. Um, so that's certainly a concern. And then you also have, uh, you know, rising mortgage costs right now as you have those, mm -hmm. those interest rates, um, you know, staying at a high level too. 
Um, so that's certainly, you know, affecting the pocketbooks of Canadians. Um, and another factor that we've we've also looked at is that tax rates or, or taxes overall are actually increasing for Canadian families too. Um, and they actually constitute a, a higher percentage of your income um, than actual basic necessities like food, clothing and housing combined. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's certainly a, a major concern for, for Canadian families right now, um, because we are seeing, you know, these rising prices for a whole bunch of different goods over time. Um, so that's that's a major concern, you know, especially if you have inflation over 3%. Uh, generally, the bandwidth we want is around 2% inflation. Mm -hmm. um, that's generally thought to be kind of the area where inflation should be. Um, so the Bank of Canada does have its, you know, work cut out for it over the next, uh, you know, year or two here, trying to get that inflation back down to that 2%. Um, and there's a lot of different factors at play because you're also having, you know, the economy slowing down at the same time. Um, but we're starting to see, um, you know, some some signs like we saw in, in the Q2 of this year in the in the second quarter. Um, but the economy is starting to contract a little bit. Um, so well, it, it remains to be seen what what exactly is going to happen with inflation. Um, but, you know, we're certainly hopeful it's going to come back down to that 2% so that Canadians uh, can get a little bit of a break uh, in terms of their wallets there. Yeah, I mean, speaking about the Bank of Canada and uh, interest rates, uh, there's been some some debate about the future direction of uh, rates. Uh, the Bank of Canada stated that they will re leave rates unchanged for now. Uh, they've also state, stated that they're uh, prepared to increase the policy interest rate further if needed. Um, do you think it's time for the bank to stop its cycle of rate increases or do you think more rate hikes could be warranted down the road? I mean, it remains to be seen ultimately what's going to happen. I mean, I think the Bank of Canada is going to have to pay attention to what's happening with uh, inflation uh, and Stats Canada's monthly data on inflation. Uh, but it also has to keep its eye on what's happening in the economy more broadly as well. Uh, so looking at mm -hmm. things like unemployment rate uh, over time, uh, economic growth. So there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into their decision uh, beyond just inflation itself. Um, so it's certainly going to be a, a difficult, um, you know, kind of course to map out over the next little while here. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the Bank of Canada is is generally focused on that inflation. That's generally what the, their target is, just keeping it at 2%. Um, so I think they're going to be laser focused on that uh, for the next number of months here. Um, but it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens with, with Canada, whether we're going to continue to kind of slow down in terms of uh, economic growth or, or what's going to happen there. Um, but there's a whole host of different complex factors at play here. Yeah. Um, I want to finally come to this uh, question, uh, final question for you. Um, it's a report uh, written by your colleagues at the Fraser Institute, and they came up with this very striking finding that the bulk of job creation in Canada in the last few years has actually been in the public sector rather than the private sector. Um, this kind of reminds me of um, socialist economies where a large part of the workforce is in the public sector and productivity and innovation are very low, as is happening right now uh, here in Canada. Uh, would it be fair to say that Canada under Trudeau has become more socialized, uh, especially given the huge fiscal stimulus during the pandemic? Well, what we've seen really, you know, especially under the last eight years or so with the federal government, we've seen this increasing size of government. Um, so the mm. government playing more of a role in the economy, um, you know, increasing the size of the public sector as well. Um, so that's been a major factor at play. Um, so, you know, the study that you referenced from my colleagues, for instance, shows that nationally in Canada, 
Um, you know, public sector job growth has been about 12% uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and then in the private sector, it's been about just over 3%. So there's a stark difference in terms of, um, you know, where we're actually putting our resources in, in the economy right now. It's a lot of it is going to the public sector jobs, um, and we're not seeing that same private sector job growth. But this has really been the trend uh, in all provinces right now, too. We're seeing it in all 10 provinces. Public sector job growth since the beginning of the pandemic has actually increased faster than private sector job growth. Um, and, and another consideration that we have here, too, um, right now, there is also a gap uh, in terms of pay between public sector workers versus private sector workers that are comparable to. Um, so we see almost a 9% gap between comparable workers. Um, so public sector workers generally enjoy higher pay uh, for the same type of work or same type of experience as well. Um, so that's another thing um, at, at play here. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we have seen this really increasing size of government. Um, and it's also happened at the provincial level, too, uh, really, regardless of political party, um, we've actually mm. seen, you know, um, size of government start to increase governments thinking that they can play more and more of a role in the economy, especially with COVID that kind of gave, you know, a little bit of an excuse for governments to start to jump in and play more of a role. Uh, but we've especially seen that at the federal level, really since 2015 in particular, um, we've seen that increase government spending, them, you know, subsidizing more factors in the economy. Um, so it's it's certainly, you know, trending in that direction where the government has more of a role to play or sees itself as having more of a role to play in the economy. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the Trudeau government um, increased spending massively during the pandemic, but didn't cut our taxes. Uh, do you think this was a mistake? Should the stimulus have been delivered through tax cuts that stimulate the private sector rather than doling out government cash to to all and sundry? Yeah, so one of the things that we saw, especially with all the spending that was done during COVID, there was a lot of waste and there was a lot of inefficient targeting and who that spending was actually going to. Um, so myself and, and one of my colleagues looked at some of the, the wasteful spending that was done during COVID. Um, what we found is roughly 25% of the, the money that the federal government was spending was really wasted during COVID. Um, so, you know, programs like the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, uh, Canada Emergency Response Benefit, a lot of the money, um, you know, in these different programs, um, you know, their goal was to try to get the money out the door fast, um, but they ended up giving it to people who, who maybe weren't in genuine need, living in higher income households, um, or, you know, spouses of people that were higher income in particular. Um, so we saw a lot of this wasteful spending, too. We saw reports from Auditor General, for instance, pointing that a lot of the money um, from some of these subsidies or other uh, response benefits went to people who shouldn't have even been eligible in the first place for some of these programs. Um, so we saw a lot of pro problems with a lot of the spending that was going on during COVID. Um, but this has been a trend even before COVID. Um, you know, we saw that Justin Trudeau had actually been uh, had recorded the highest year of spent per person spending in Canadian history in 2018 and 2019. Um, and that's really continued throughout the pandemic and even after the pandemic. Uh, so even when we exclude COVID-related spending during 2020 and 2021, uh, we are still at record levels of per-person spending in Canadian history. Um, and then on the other side, you know, we haven't really had much progress on taxes. Um, you know, we haven't really seen, uh, we've actually seen the, the taxes increase for Canadian families over time. Uh, so the average Canadian family is now spending about 46% of its income on taxes each year. Um, and that's only really increased over the last number of years. It hasn't gone down. Um, so, you know, the, the effects of that 2016 uh, tax rate reduction uh, for that middle class tax rate cut uh, that the federal government called uh, that reduced that one from 22 to 20 and a half percent hasn't really um, actually decreased taxes over time because they eliminated a number of tax credits at the same time. And we've seen a number of other taxes uh, increase over time, too. 
Um, so that's another consideration too. We really haven't seen much progress on, on tax reductions for families. So um, I know I said three questions earlier that that was going to be my final question, but uh, um, this will be my final question for you. How worried are you about the state of the economy? Um, um, you know, you think that the the our policymakers understand what's going on here. Um, is there any recognition of the problems and how they're going to go about fixing it? Well, I think, you know, part of the problem is that, you know, sometimes, you know, politicians appear to, you know, recognize the problems, you know, regardless of whether it's the federal, provincial, municipal level of government uh, and different political parties as well. Um, but really, the, the main challenge is, is what we already know. Um, you know, we face weak economic growth prospects for the next number of years. Um, the OECD, uh, Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, uh, they recently released a report within the last few years, which shows Canada uh, is likely going to have the worst um, GDP per capita growth over the next uh, 10 years. And then they even show up to 2060, we're probably going to have the weakest economic growth of all these advanced economies. Um, so that's certainly, you know, a, a big concern, you know, Canada's productivity, innovation, all of these things are starting to fall behind a lot of other countries, like we touched upon in some earlier questions. Um, you know, Canada really faces these weaker economic growth prospects, and there's going to be countries that surpass us that aren't, aren't as doing as well as us right now, but in the next 30, 40 years are, are going to start to surpass us and even exceed us. Um, you know, we're certainly falling behind the United States in, in a number of different categories, too, um, with that business investment dropping over time in Canada. That's not good for incomes or job creation for Canadians. Um, so ultimately, unfortunately, there are a lot of, you know, headwinds in, in the near future and over the long term. Um, but this doesn't need to be set in stone. Um, you know, we can be optimistic about the future if governments start to change the course correction and start to fix a lot of the issues in the economy. Um, so I think that gives some some reason for optimism if, if governments start to recognize these problems and actually put plans into action that change that course, um, that we could be in a much better position. But unfortunately, right now, um, the direction we're headed is, is, is you know, certainly we're going to have to face some some headwinds in the near future. Well, Jake, uh, there's so much more we could talk about, but I want to thank you for your insights, for sharing your insights with us. And uh, I would love to have you back on again in the near future. Thanks very much for having me on. It was a pleasure.